Hello, listeners, and welcome to Balcony Talks. I am Erica Bennett and a current grad student in the Religion and Culture Master's Program at the University of Alabama in the Religious Studies Department. Here at UA, we often find ourselves in great discussions on our building's balconies, but we wanted a way to bring those conversations to the public, yet found it difficult to catch all the interesting conversation and record it candidly. We offer this podcast, Balcony Talks, where we discuss topics that may be heard in passing, but are brought to this podcast space. Today, I'm joined by Sonia Hardwood-Johnson, a fellow grad student. Hello, Erica. And yeah, I have brought a conversation topic today. I had a similar conversation the other week with another grad student about religious imagery in music videos. After some time at home, I was looking up different kinds of of music videos, especially ones that had religious imagery, and I came across Lil Nas X. Now, I'm not a huge consumer of rap music, but I really enjoyed what I saw, and I was super intrigued by his music videos, and specifically the videos for his songs Montero and That's What I Want. In Montero, he offers a ton of examples of religious imagery. I mean, he starts out in the Garden of Eden and then slides down a stripper pole to hell and gives Satan a lap dance. And I was uh, wondering if that, obviously that is purposeful and meaningful, but I was wondering if he's necessarily unique in this aspect or what we could try to kind of decide that he's trying to get across in these ideas. I think I know exactly who we should talk to about this. Okay, so Sonia, I found someone to help us. I went and talked with Dr. Miranda Simmons in our department. Oh, yeah, she would know exactly what to make of all of this. What did she say? Here, let me play some of it for you. Hello, Dr. Marinda Simmons. Hello, Erica Bennett. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. Thanks for having me. Today, I have brought to you two videos by Little Nas X, um, and I wanted to get your opinions on them. Before we dive in, can you tell me why Little Nas X was what came to mind in the galaxy of examples that you could choose from? What Are you just a fan? What's up? I... I love Lil Nas X. I think my fascination started when he came out with Montero, the really crazy video. Everyone was super excited about it. It was in the news. Everyone was having a great time with it. (laughs) Um, And I watched it and I was so interested, not only in his music, but in the religious depictions he Mm -hmm. has and how he is... um, a openly gay rapper Mm -hmm. in a male, a male too. (laughs) So, and he's performing in these um, stereotypically female roles in his videos. Right. Um, And so that has been mostly my fascination with him. Cool. Into it. Well, I'm a fan too, uh, but I'll, I'll try to stay, you know, scholarly and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So I think, my first thing was, what are your first impressions of those little Nas X videos? Okay, so we're talking Montero, mm-hmm. Call Me By Your Name, and That's What I Want. Um, so my first impressions were just that they are super well-produced and like cool pieces of musical video art. Um, 
So like as examples in that genre, uh, I, I was super into him. Um, the, I, you know, he's, he's clearly and like purposefully uh, being, like using images and doing things that he knows are going to be provocative. So I anticipated some response, some backlash perhaps. He is an artist that a lot of people love to hate. Um, so th I, those were my first impressions of like, oh, this is cool. This is gonna be controversial. And so bringing up the, um, the religious aspects of, or the religious iconography, would that be the word? Sure. Um, of Montero. Imagery. I watched Montero for the first time and then couldn't stop watching it. Mm. Mostly because <laughs> the first scene, it took me a while to realize he's in the Garden of yeah, Eden. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then he kisses the snake. Yeah. And then <laughs> he is, it just, it's so interesting. He plays all the roles and he, uh, he was the snake and he was mm -hmm. the bad guy. And he's playing all the roles. But it was so interesting to me to see, I don't know, you... I'm not a super religious person. I didn't read the Bible, but I know that it's Eve's fault. It's sure. Eve messed with the snake, sure. right? And so now I get to see this male who is not pretending. To, he's he wants he's depicting himself mm -hmm. as a male kissing mm -hmm. the snake, right? And so now it's again that reversal mm -hmm. of the story that we yeah. All what know. happens if temptation is not something to necessarily avoid or run away from or stand up to? What if it? What what if what what happens when desire? is not treated like a bad thing. Mm. And again, it's that it's it's this different kind of what happens if if we make the starting point that like pleasure is good and desire is healthy and it it just makes all sorts of different things possible. Um, it also explains a lot of the strong <laughs> reaction to it. How did you um how did you react or take the um, the heavy Christian elements of Montero? So, like, you know, I didn't think he was responding to... Uh, I, I mean, of, of course he's using Christian imagery um, and, and those kinds of narrative tropes. I didn't think, though, that it was so much a... So this is just my own response. I don't think that it was so much a reaction to or response to Christianity or religion as much as it was a reaction or response to homophobia. Mm. And it's just that that is where homophobia lived for him. You know, like that's that's one of the sources of that evil. Um, like if, if we identify the kind of uh, Christian origin story and reactions to the devil and what as this kind of you know immortal battle between good and evil again he's changed the the characterization of evil um and what if evil is seen as this uh this kind of um yeah dominant idea of of what sexuality should look like and how it should be performed and instead like i mean he becomes he becomes the devil at the end right he takes yeah. he so he has he gives the devil a lap dance but then he like takes the horn like he he gains the power mm. and and so there's there's so much there really but um yeah, I, I kind of, I saw the the video 
itself as as being more about reacting to homophobia than to like Christianity per se. To sum up, Dr. Simmons said the depiction of religious imagery is not so much a reaction to Christianity, but a space in which homophobia lives for little Nas X. She saw the depiction of Satan and little Nas X defeating him as a reclaiming of power, of reclaiming his own sexuality and identity outside of this homophobic space in his life. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. When I was going through Twitter reactions to these kinds of music videos and how little Nas X was uh, presenting religious imagery and identity through these spaces, what came up a lot was people mentioning that when homophobic Christians tend to interact with people in the LGBTQ community, a lot of times they say, oh, you're going to hell. And I think Lil Nas X wanted to take that narrative and kind of twist it on his head and, you know, in internet terms say, all right, bet, or yeah, I will. I, I will take that power. If that's where you say I'm going, then I am going to slide down a stripper pole in my own style and take over the power that you are, are threatening me with in the first place, which I just think is so fascinating. Another thing I was talking about when listening to what Dr. Simmons was talking was I was thinking of past music videos that I've seen that have been largely or, or overtly sexual. And the theme that they all have in common is that it's women performing these sort of sexual acts, whether it's dancing provocatively or twerking or something like that. And so I wonder if part of the anger and reaction that people are doing to these to these music videos is if it's because Lil Nas X is a male and that he prevents or presents masculine energy but while still performing sexually that's really interesting we actually talked about that so here's that clip So I was thinking about like, what is the difference in reception uh, between like a video, like that's what I want and Janelle Monet's pink where mm. <laughs> there are like yeah. dancing vulvas in completely explicit like costuming. Um, she's not being super subtle either, but Again, I think it comes back to it's not about them. It's about their like who's who's listening, who's responding, because we don't take female sexuality as seriously. It's not as um, it's not as it's not as real, quote unquote. It's it's fetishized in a certain way, but it's not seen as the um, as 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 the active like agent, as the aggressor, as the Mm. desirer. Yeah. <laughs> it is seen as the desired, more passive object. And so when the person who is like enacting and performing a certain kind of desire switches that script and says that like, yes, I experience masculine desire in this really direct agency uh, embedded way, but 
I'm also directing it at someone else that you see as an agent. And now, ah, we don't have the same binary or dichotomy between desiring agent and desired object. Yeah. Like there's not that same kind of easy script. And, um, and so in flipping that, but then in keeping it, uh, I get like it's 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 mainstream and it's overt, but it's also a total revision of our traditional narrative. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I totally agree. Especially with both of these videos, he's taking, or I'm thinking specifically of the "That's What I Want" mm -hmm. video. He's taking these common heterosexual tropes mm -hmm. of uh, I am in high school and I fell in love with the the hot football player, sure. but he's also a football player. He's mm -hmm. not the cheerleader this time, or He's walking down the down the aisle in this beautiful mm -hmm. dress, and everyone's there, right? But and Billy Porter, another queer icon, like gives him the guitar. There's this passage of like black queer legacy from one icon to another. It's it's a really beautiful moment. Um, but yeah, like when those traditional scripts are being performed by someone we don't expect then the 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 script itself changes the 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 narrative the performance the way that we uh view it as an audience changes so it's the same language it's the same words it's the same text but the performer is different and so so everything gets kind of thrown in the air yeah, yeah it seems so new it seems so revolutionary that Lil Nas X is making out with a football player, but in hundreds of movies, we yeah. see the cheerleader making out with totally. the, the female cheerleader <laughs> totally. making out with the football player. Totally. And we see a lot of like closeted football players, right? I'm thinking yeah. like the, the Glee character. The, I mean, there are a lot of like mainstream um, closeted uh, pop culture moments that we see kind of playing out in different media. Um, but there is just none of that. <laughs> yeah, There's just, no. it, it, he's never making the closet something that he's even responding to. Yeah. The hetero gaze or judgment is just not his starting point. Yeah. And so in that sense, like there's a long tradition of that too, but I'm thinking of like Toni Morrison saying that, you know, her depiction of black characters and black life was based upon a kind of starting point that was not responding to the white gaze. And so because black life is more multidimensional than that, because it's not always a response to our oppression, like it's not about us. <laughs> like, so she has this really basic but like so revolutionary response to all of these white critics who are like asking well what about this and what about that and when are and she's just like it's I, it's not a it's not about you like it's it's just it's this I am writing life as I experience it in this community that is already rich and already nuanced and and isn't always obsessing about the way that you see <laughs> that community. And I feel like Lil Nas X has a similar starting point with, with his own sexuality um, and with his uh, use of various sexual and gendered 
tropes. Yeah. That was really cool. I think it's interesting how Miranda was able to relate the Black experience with the queer experience. But another thing that she had brought up was talking about Janelle Monet and her music videos. And so it, it reminded me of a part of my earlier question of, is Lil Nas X truly unique or a trailblazer? Is this, you know, the first time that we've seen black male queer sexuality in this kind of way? Or are there other examples of these intersections that have made sort of a big splash in the community or outside of their own community. Yeah, Dr. Simmons and I touched on that a little bit in the last clip, but I think she has some more thoughts on that question. Mm. You think that Lil Nas X is more of a internet meme, internet guy, or mm. a trailblazer in the uh, rap community of and right. queer community right. of an openly gay man in rap, which is mm -hmm. quite rare. It's mm -hmm. not super popularized yet, mm -hmm. if that mm -hmm. makes sense. I don't know if this question is working, but. I think, yeah, I mean, if I'm, if I'm translating it right, it's like, it's, again, he isn't new. It's the exposure is new. Mm -hmm. Like the instant um, uh, uh, transmission across like millions of people at one time who don't even have to go to the record store and buy a CD or whatever. Like there's the, the technology that he is able to engage in makes such a different platform for exposure. Um, and there's other, I mean, I was, I was thinking of other uh, like, people who have made it into like mainstream because again i black queer musical artists have been around forever um like i <laughs> i'm thinking of sylvester in the 70s like he was a disco a kind of disco queen um who who made it pretty big we've got frank ocean like lizzo is a queer icon janelle monet is a queer icon um but there are as many, if not more, that I can think of. Uh, Serpent with Feet, Moses Sumney, um, like Eve Toomer, who are, who are, who are, like they have a fan base and they have a following, but there's not the same kind of pop culture reception. There's not the same, um, like I do think the uh, part of the difference uh, is that like, especially, I mean, if you think about Old Town Road and uh, the response to that as a country song, quote unquote, like he messes with genres in all sorts of ways. But then it wasn't until Billy Ray Cyrus came along to say like, whatever, Billboard, you can't say this is not a country song because I, who have been established in the, like he makes use of other pop icons in really savvy ways, I think, and that that increases exposure too. Just quickly say that yeah. I mean I mentioned earlier that like people have been using religious imagery forever. Um, 
you know, uh, Madonna's Like a Prayer was a controversial video at the time. Um, the Rolling Stones have sympathy for the devil. Like there, there are people who have, uh, in, in a kind of mainstream pop apparatus, like messed with these ideas about uh, religion and power and desire. Um, again, it, it just, it's, it's, they've been in uh, hetero contexts. They've been, at least in those two examples, from white artists. Um, so it's just, it, Little Nas X, I think, kind of represents for one kind of consumer demographic a, a, a perfect storm of uh, what they're responding to when they kind of traffic in a satanic panic. Um, when mm. youth culture is is getting Sarah Marshall, she's a, a podcaster and a and a essayist that I like a lot, and she talks about satanic panics a lot. And uh, and you know, two of the aspects that she identifies are youth culture getting uh, really powerful mm -hmm. and um, and and youth sexuality or desire becoming. Um, more shameless um, as as just a thing that someone can express and feel proud of in the world. <clears throat> and so so he has again like like <laughs> he is an example of technology changing. He is um, a, a, an embodiment of like young sexual desire. Um, youth culture having power in the larger societal landscape. Um, he's black, he's queer. Like all of these things kind of together are <laughs> so much of what satanic panics uh, uh, find purchase in. Um, so again, I, I don't think he's new or that the elements are new. I think he just represents uh, in such a, a, nightly, a, a kind of um, tightly packaged kind of, you know, here's this, here's this easy representation um, for some folks about like what exactly is wrong with a, you know, culture going the wrong way or whatever. What do you see Lil Nas X doing? How do you see it affecting um, or being implemented in other ways, either within the younger community right the mm -hmm. the the younger lgbtq community the younger uh black community the, just people in general how do you see his work influencing them or even just influencing the internet <clears throat> genre as a genre yeah i mean i think he's still so relatively young and new like it'll it'll be interesting to see what what uh actually gets made possible by him i don't i don't know um uh about that yet i th i do think though that he um just provides this kind of uh visual <laughs> and representation access exposure um to so many people across all sorts of different places that like through uh, through technology, through pop media um, domains, like 
who he is, what he represents, what he puts forward in the world is, is some pretty powerful exposure and just permission to exist mm. for a lot of people who still hear in all sorts of ways a kind of structural policing of their identity um, or the way that they identify. And so seeing someone who is breaking through into the mainstream, who can sell $1,100 shoes, who can like, he, the, the, um, just again, his, his existing on that level, I think is in its own right, a really powerful message. After listening to that, I think that Dr. Mundo is saying that he isn't necessarily new. Um, he is using religious imagery just as other people have used religious imagery. He is uh, being sexual just as other artists have uh, sexualized their bodies and others. Um, but what he is good at and what he is different and what's what's unique about Little Nas X is his ability to work with the skills he has. It's his ability to know the internet and to know how social media works and to know how to get views. Um, what he is good at is being, for lack of a better term, a meme. Yeah, I think that's really good. He is able to be provocative and to get people talking about him, but not get canceled in internet terms and I think that's such a fine line to walk that you really have to know how to play with these different groups and to get you know the groups that you don't like to not like you but to get keep talking about you so that the audience that you're trying to reach then still has access to you I really liked what Miranda was talking about when she was talking about like reclaiming power that Lil Nas X is able to use this internet outrage and the idea that no publicity is bad publicity definitely to his advantage. Being purposely provocative with the, you know, specifically Christian imagery in his music videos or then even with his shoes, which became so controversial, you know, that they had a drop of human blood in the soles and had 666 written on the sides and, you know, there was so much backlash from a variety of different communities with that. But he was able to continue to use that momentum and people talking about him to continue to reclaim this power and authority specifically in groups and in circles that have been controlled by not queer, not black communities and voices in the past. And that he is able through these kind of provocative images and, and, and music videos and, and songs and sounds in using his body in the way that he does to kind of change the narrative of how we see queer, black, male men in these spaces. Yeah, those are some really awesome thoughts. And just for a little context, uh, Little Nas X created some shoes with a company where um, he claimed that there was uh, real human blood in each shoe. Um, it came out right after the Montero music video, the one that depicted Satan. Um, and he also did another uh, interesting public stunt of where on um, the internet he had a fake pregnancy belly for a while um 
Yeah. So he does all of these really interesting and provocative and outside of what we would consider gender norms in the U.S. And yeah, I think he is doing very well on this. Like no publicity is bad publicity. So to wrap this all up, I was just wondering after listening to Dr. Miranda and after our little discussions, why should we care? What is the point? What is little Nas X doing for us? What can we learn from him? And what can we learn from those who react to him? For me, I think little Nas X is using religious symbolism and sexual depiction to create an audience around his music by making his music lean towards what is considered socially shocking. Little Nas X is playing into the internet culture and internet outrage. This creates a space for more eyes to see and hear his music and art, but it also provides an interesting space for us to study what is considered socially okay what is considered socially normal because people are reacting to him in a wedding dress because people are reacting to him giving satan a lap dance because people are reacting to x y or z it can tell us more about what society cares about and what society is trying to normalize and by society i mean uh the u.s the U.S. context in which Little Nas X is most popular. Yeah, definitely. And I see that, you know, like you were talking about, a lot of the the socially shocking things, the big, big things that he does in his music video, then almost overshadows the the subtle queerness that is kind of pre- prevalent throughout it. So the idea of him kissing a boy uh, is not the main part. That's not what people are talking about anymore. So by making and doing all of these over the top things of, you know, taking power from Satan or playing with all these huge Christian imagery things, it's also working, what I think, to subtly kind of normalize the other aspects in the video that kind of showcase, you know, black queer culture in almost everyday settings, in weddings, in high schools, in, you know, other ways that that we can see queer love just existing in popular music and media. I agree, Sonia. I have had such a great time talking to you today. I'm so glad that you came on Balcony Talks. Um, and I hope this was as enjoyable for you as it was for me. Yeah, thank you so much. I loved having this discussion. It was so cool to hear what Dr. Miranda has to say. She's she's so great and knows so much. So thank you so much for having me. Balcony Talks is an American Examples production in the Department of Religious Studies at the University of Alabama with funding from the Henry Luce Foundation. This episode was produced by Erica Bennett. Special thanks to Dr. Miranda Simmons and Sonia Harwood-Johnson. Follow the Department of Religious Studies on Twitter and Instagram at the handle at Study Religion or on Facebook at facebook.com slash rel at ua. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, and give us a rating and review.